As soon as Table Talk Radio plays, a listener falls into a coma for days. The Reformation Edition, Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, fastest. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Busting the myth that jokes get old, this is Table Talk Radio. Well, and enter Pastor Wolfmiller, the king of jokes that never get old. You, I, you know why that's funny? <laughs> oh, yeah, and explained. Because I, I always tell jokes again, second time, third time. Especially after you explain them three or four times. You know why that's funny? Uh, no, tell me. Because it's not supposed to be funny when you explain it. How is Reformation down there in Austin, Texas? Hey, it's great. Good. How's We're the, all reformed up. How's the tower experience going? I am in the tower right now, the recording studio here at St. Paul Lutheran Church. How fantastic. Uh, it, um, the other day, though, which was church day, Sunday, and the bell... Now, how about this for an experience? So the bell <laughs> normally rings at noon, but for whatever reason, we it doesn't ring on the weekend. I have it set not to ring on the weekend. But then on Sunday, I was preaching away in the middle of the sermon. Okay, so church starts at 1040-ish. Wait, really? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why, but 1040. <laughs> so church starts at 1040, and I'm, pre- I'm in the middle of the sermon, Reformation, and the bell starts ringing. And I thought to myself, is it noon already? Have I been preaching for an hour? Time, time just gets away from me in the pulpit, I'll tell you. Turned out it was 11.30, and the bell was mysteriously going off at 11.30. I have no idea what, what was happening. But <laughs> anyway. But the time change is coming up, so you might want might to take yeah, a look maybe, at that. Maybe it, maybe the bell changed an hour. I bet you that's what happened. I bet the oh, bell changed. Yeah. Maybe it normally goes off at 12.30. Anyway. I, I think that's it. And, and the reason I think that is my, uh, my wife, Mandy, has an alarm clock that is an older one, and it's set to change for the time change automatically, but because it's older, it changes on the wrong week, and that that's the same thing. So, because th- it happened also last week for her clock. So, nice. I have shot. We have well, we, we got to the bottom we, of it. Oh man, these are the kind of things that we figure out here on Table Talk Radio. If you have any uh, tower experience mysteries, <laughs> send them on over to questions at tabletalkradio.org. We will take care of them for you. Um, have you renamed your YouTube channel the Tower Experience yet? Because I, I think no. I get some credit when, when you do that. That'll be awesome. Okay. Well, the today's lineup for Table Talk Radio includes, of course, buzzwords. Reminds me to get a buzzword. 
Uh, also includes some Table Talk Jeopardy. Great Note to self. Categories uh, for you on that. And then we're going to round up today's show by listening to your voicemails. Probably church signs and bumper stickers, I suppose. So but I don't think we're going to get there because we have such. I have such intriguing questions. My category for Table Talk Jeopardy for you, by the way, is numbers of the Reformation. Numbers oh. of the Reformation. Oh. oh, yeah. All right. I haven't got my... I got one clue... I'm still working on here. Don't worry. Okay. Now, in the meantime, while you think of your buzzword, my buzzword for you is indulgence. Nice. Indulgence. This is, this is like is when you, you have a, a chocolate fondue fountain. That's what I was gonna say. Oh, really? I stole your joke. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. How about this? Evans Church over there, Faith Lutheran Church in Rogue River, Oregon. Uh, had a Reformation celebration thing yesterday, and they in each church had a table, which they were had, the, and the theme was hymns. And so you were telling your theme was, "Come thou fount of every blessing, upon which you had a chocolate fondue fountain." <laughs> <laughs> that is so absurd. But apparently, the most popular of it all was. the tables. Everyone was crowding around my table, and I thought it was because uh, I was so popular. But <laughs> then we found streaks of chocolate going to people's. Uh, <laughs> chairs, and that's what it was. Indulgence. <laughs> indulgence. That's so what indulgence So in Also, the other way to think about indulgence, this is because this is part of the big brew ha ha at the time of the Reformation, is that they were selling the indulgences to raise up some cash for the building of St. Peter, St. Paul, biggest building, biggest, biggest church in the world still. And so Tetzel, the famous Tetzel, was giving a plenary indulgence. That means... So indulgence has started, by the way, in the history of the church, where if you did something wrong and you were being punished by the church for that wrongdoing, they would then you'd perform an act of piety and you'd get out of it. Like if you I, I don't even know what the example is, but like if you beat up the priest or something, instead of getting thrown in church jail, you could you could perform acts of piety and you could get time off your sentence. But it just it it got wrapped up into the spiritual practice and 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 the business of of purifying a person in purgatory and the, and the business of transferring merits from one person to another and from the living to the dead. And then you got the plenary indulgence, which means like if you were, if you were getting an indulgence for someone who was in purgatory, all of their sins were washed away. They're made completely perfect. The whole thing becomes almost a mockery of itself. When you get Tetzel preaching a, a coin in the coffer uh, rings and a soul from purgatory springs. I mean, it's just a, even, I mean, the Catholic Church looks at that now and kind of, that's embarrassing. Because it was. I mean, it was embarrassing. And it sparked, it really is what sparked the big debate called the Reformation. But did you know this, Evan, that indulgences were never sold in Wittenberg? Hmm. In fact, here's a clue for you. I'll give you a thousand points. Table Talk Jeopardy. Ready? Here's your, here's your answer. This was the closest town that you could go to buy an indulgence from Wittenberg. Uh, Rome. <laughs> Close. Utabog. A little town called Utabog. I'm just surprised south I didn't guess that. Hour and a half south. Now they still have, and how about this? This is great. <clears throat> we went one time back in 1517. Wait, 2017. Celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. We went down to Utabog to check out, because the, they still have the coffer where te the Tetzel was using to collect the money. And it's, I thought it'd be like a little box, but it's just it's like a coffin. 
It's like the size of a dining room table, this huge box, and the people would put the money in it because he was making so much money. And it, it's in this church. And so we went into the church and we went to look at it. And this lady, German lady, was chasing us down because we didn't pay the admittance because it was part of a big museum complex. And they're still collecting money for the indulgences. We didn't pay. We just left, by the way. I, would, I wouldn't expect you to. <clears throat> Can you imagine that? Paying to see the box that the people used <laughs> to pay indulgences? It is, it is kind of ironic. <laughs> anyway, that's an indulgence. As, as soon as you pay, you can see the, the coffer at which the coins rang and souls from purgatory rang. I, don't I like, just dropped like, my money right in that know, thing. If, I know. If they could come up with a, with a kind of a nice rhyme, then maybe you'd pay, but That's right. not without a rhyme. That's the a, key to a, a good bill fundraiser. into the museum cash register slides, <laughs> and a Lutheran tour bus arrives. Ooh, there you go. All right, I got a buzzword for you. By the way, my entire show prep today is brought to you by Lutheran Service Book. Um, oh, wow. Literally, all my show prep is coming from this book right now. Uh, now, this isn't your buzzword, but I want to read it because it's in the glossary, and I think it's entertaining. So in the glossary for the Lutheran Service Book is the word rubrics. From the Latin for red. Did you know that? No. <laughs> Esau's. It means instructions, which are often printed in red for the ministers and congregation concerning how to conduct a service. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. All the important things you know from the glossary of the Lutheran service book. Also, uh, page number, <laughs> bookmarks. You know, these, these are all the... I'm just kidding. All right. So but your real uh, buzzword is uh, Paschal Candle. The large candle used during Easter tide and at baptisms and funerals to signify the presence of the risen Christ among his people. Oh, wow. Paschal candle. Hmm. You know, this is a funny thing with candles because, you know, does your church have the candle that's supposed to be the eternal flame that's never supposed yeah, to go but, out? but it's plugged in. Yeah. It's, well, that's good. The power goes out and you're like, oh, where'd the Holy Spirit go? Dang it. <laughs> It comes to old Catholic tradition. They would light the candle to indicate that there was consecrated yeah, elements hanging that? around. And for whatever reason, we're like, well, we want to have a candle on in our churches all the time. But we <laughs> and then, the- well, yeah, so, but, but then we're like, oh, it's too much work to have this, put oil on this all the time. Why don't we just get a light bulb? <laughs> there you go. Give me oil in my lamp. No foolish virgins here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we have just about another perfectly good Table Talk Radio segment squandered away by useless jokes and just uh, and useless you know why that's banter. Uh, because you're explaining jokes again? Hmm. Uh, so we're done? We don't get to start? Well, we got to wait till the do break? You, okay, well, why don't we tell each other what the categories are? Or oh, you already did. My category yeah. for you is going to be uh, Saints. Oh, nice. So uh, you are looking behind you at the Reformation. I am looking forward to All Saints Day. Oh, wow. What a liturgically appropriate show. Yeah. Of course, it'll air in, like, December. So (laughs) everyone's going to be like, why aren't you guys talking about Christmas? You know, all the things that people were wondering. I was like, man, I need to listen to Table Talk Radio because I need to know about the saints and random dates of the Reformation. Oh, yeah. You came to the right spot. Yeah, that's right. Helping All you your out dreams with that are about to come true. All right, so we will be right back right after this break and dive right into Table Talk Jeopardy. Also, if you have a church sign or a bumper sticker, call it in right now before it's too late. 1-800-385-SOLA. 
The reason that's funny is that we're recording this and it's not live, so no matter what, it'll be too late. But anyway, and call the, one. The reason why that's funny. Eight hundred. a joke. Three eight five. Sola. <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're gonna be right back. <sighs> Someday we're gonna outgrow them. Someday we'll grow up. A wise man once said, I listen to Table Talk Radio. He only said it once. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. Well, we got the obligatory waster segment out of the way. Now we can now actually we're gonna get after it. Get going here. So rock uh, solid, packed. I'm tight. going after Beginning points. To end. I'm going after points. So, uh, what's my category again? Random uh, numbers. Numbers of the Reformation. Numbers of the Reformation for 100, please, Alex. Luther posted these this many theses on the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg. See, this is one I should know. Now, what's interesting about these theses, uh, so he, he nails these on the door. Should I guess before we explain things? No, uh, what explain, is, go do whatever you like. Uh, what is 95? Right, uh, right. So he nails these theses on the church door in Wittenberg 100%. on October 31st because the next day is All Saints Day. And so it uh, seems like a good time to go to church, All Saints Day. There's a, a, a local petition around here being circulated to move Halloween to the last weekend in October rather than, than October 31st. Because, you know, it's really inconvenient to go trick-or-treating on a Thursday night. Um, you know, school night, all that. So uh, they're trying to change Halloween to the last weekend in October. And I was wondering. Don't they know anything can you about st- history? <laughs> can, you, can you still call it Halloween? I mean, I, I, so I started the petition, which no one has signed yet, to move Christmas Eve to the last weekend in December, but no one has signed that one. You got to call it <laughs> Halloween transferred. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. In any case, um, yeah. So, so as uh, All Saints Day being a day that people would go to church. Uh, Luther's putting this on the door right before everyone, I guess, uh, heads for the doors. So, hey, do you know about this thing too? Uh, that so, here's another question. Here's a bonus question. Bonus question. How many points you want for it? Um, five hundred. Five hundred bonus. Okay. Uh, the second largest collection of relics in the medieval world was located here. Was that a wager, or was it just like bonus points? Like, you're not actually going to lose points if you get it wrong, right? Uh, <laughs> we should have explained the Are rules before. <laughs> okay, the second largest collection of relics. Now, the first here. The first would have been um, the one that uh, Frederick the Wise had, right? Well, the first would probably have been in Rome. Okay, so where does Frederick the Wise uh, of Saxony? Is that yes. right? So yeah. I'm going to say Saxony. Well, that's right. And even more specifically, 
Wittenberg, and even more specifically, the castle where the castle church was. And even more specifically, Frederick the Wise would put these relics out once a year. And you know what day that was? November the 1st. Fascinating. So he, he puts all his relics so, so that people would travel from all over the, the whole country to visit the relics of Frederick the Wise on November the 1st. So, uh, so maybe it had less to do with it being all saints other than, uh, consequently, that was when the relics were put out. Consequently. That's when the relics—because all saints is like this, you know. I mean, at some point, the calendar, the Catholic saints calendar— Got so crowded. They're like, we don't even have any more days, so let's just have a day for all the other saints. It's like, it's like when you're accepting the Grammy and you're like, like thank my mom and my dad and everyone and everyone else. I forgot. That's how All Saints Day. It's like all the other saints. <laughs> you guys get a day too, and so that's the perfect day to put out all your relics because there's a lot of, and he had a lot of wackadoo kind of stuff in his relic collection. Mm-hmm. He had milk from Mary. Anyhow. That that just might come up later. You got 500 points for that. What's a little help from your friend? So I'm at a total okay. of 600 now, right? Do you have All a right. favorite theses of the 95 theses? One's pretty good. It's probably the only one I know. Um, I uh, remember reading through them and not being overly impressed with too many of them. Well, you you just you read them and you're like, ah, now I understand why. Now I understand why these are, for example, in the Book of Concord, because they're not right. <laughs> they're, not, they're not Lutheran. I mean, but I think the one that I like, the first one too, the one our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent. He willed our whole lives, our lives of repentance. And then there's one towards the end, I can't remember the number, and he's like, Luther says, look, if the Pope can get people out of purgatory, why doesn't he do it because he loves them instead of charging so much money? Yeah, that one's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so what tipped Luther off on this? I mean, was it he just he was as a, as a academic uh, wanting to debate, or was he seeing this as a a problem for troubled souls? Or yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, I mean, for Luther, those are the same thing. So it's what's this one of the great even, things. even in fifteen seventeen, even in fifteen seventeen. Yeah, you. I mean, you read his early stuff. So even his Psalms commentaries from like fifteen 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 thirteen, mm. he's working on care of souls interesting he's just he's he's on it already i mean he, he does, he's not there yet at the gospel but he's on the idea that this should give comfort interesting so. good all right so i have saints uh, uh what saints of the lutheran service book <laughs> okay saints of the lutheran service book for 100 please evan all right uh remembered on july 29th oh, Brother of Mary and Martha. Oh, oh, hey, that's I like that hint. Um, who is Lazarus? I'm sorry, the correct answer is Lazarus of Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right, you got it. 100 points. What do you know I, about Lazarus? I heard someone say that Lazarus later became a bishop, and uh, there you can go to his grave still today somewhere. I got to figure out where that is. I'd like to visit that. And on his grave, it says, Lazarus, bishop of wherever he was, twice dead. <laughs> friend of Jesus. That's cool. Twice dead, friend if of I Jesus. If I could have that on my tombstone, if it were actually the case. <laughs> twice dead. I think, um, how cool is this? I mean, so Lazarus, you know, second time he's got to die. There's a poem that C.S. Lewis wrote about this. He's like, Lazarus had to, poor guy had to die twice. 
But I think Lazarus, you know, the thing about this, he's going to die twice. He's like, ah, it's no big deal. Did this before. That's true. Yeah. I and, mean, uh, you hear and that's that all how the time. we should think about it because we died with Christ in our baptism. We yeah. go to die. No, no big deal. We've handled this, done this before. But there's another thing about Lazarus, and that is that the shortest verse of the Bible is about Jesus his, and his love for Lazarus. Jesus wept. And I think this is a very important text. Just at, for example, you get this idea. You you've heard people say this when they're it's a time for a funeral, and people say, "Well, don't cry for me." Well, no, you're supposed to cry. Uh, weeping and mourning is what love looks like when the person, when the object of our love is gone. So, it's good work. And Jesus, they, Jesus weeps over Lazarus, and everything that Jesus does is a good work, which means that our own weeping is a good work. That's what we ought to take from that. Uh, that we are doing the good work of mourning those that we love. So, now that was a point of. Uh, controversy for um, a college class I was in where the professor um, was saying, I'll see what, I'm going to throw this out at you and see how you respond to it, saying that uh, Jesus weeps out of frustration of the unbelief of those around him. That's Be- because <laughs> well, And we have it in the text because it says they saw him weeping and they said, see how he loves him. Mm. I mean, so so it's not so. John gives us the explanation of the tears of Jesus. So we don't. So we don't even have to. We don't even have to be not theological knuckleheads to under to just get the to read it in context. Oh, good. I, I don't know why would you want to say that, but just because like Jesus is supposed to be more stoic. Uh, because uh, well, Jesus after all knew he was going to raise him. So why would you cry if you knew he was going to raise him in in a, in a few minutes? Um, also, some abstracted uh, off. Uh, um, I don't have the Greek in front of me, but but there's a Greek word that can mean uh, something close to that. So mm. Wasn't prepared to talk about that right now. All right. Okay. So uh, I will take uh, numbers of the Reformation for two hundred. Luther based his famous hymn "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God" on this psalm. Uh, what is Psalm 46? Right, or to be precise, what is 46? But you got it. But you... Bing, 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 okay. bing. Wow, I'm way ahead of you because I have uh, 800 the bo- I gave you the bonus round. <laughs> uh, now, this is nice, uh, nice hymn. Did you guys sing it yesterday? Uh, we did. Well, yeah, the in, in the form of a, in the form of a hymn, yes. Um, mighty fortress is our God. Luther wrote all his hymns in like, almost all of his hymns in like a, a 13, 14 month period. This was a kind of a time of extreme hymnic output. What do you have thoughts about a mighty fortress? Uh, I was going to read a few verses from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. See, I can do this because I have in hand the Lutheran service book, which all show prep is brought to you by today. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea. Uh, great. Now, th- this is a verse that uh, people like to, to latch on to uh, in a way other than, I think, what the psalmist means. Uh, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and will be exalted in the earth. I, when people see this, be still, they think, oh, well, I need to to go into a quiet room and listen to God to speak inside my heart or something like that. Uh, not the point. It's the exact opposite. So here's the, <laughs> I, I, a couple years ago, 
because I was re- I knew Luther based Psalm a mighty fortress on Psalm 46 and I read Psalm 46 and I read a mighty fortress and I'm like wait a minute so I started digging in and this is right at the time when I was trying to figure out how to read the Psalms because I'm not that good at reading the Psalms but I couldn't figure out the connection and so I, I was digging into Psalm 46 to get the picture and the more you get the picture the more perfect Luther's paraphrase of it in the hymn is I'll explain that after the break okay looking That's forward to that explanation and as long as his explanation with a few more jokes would be great uh, more Table Talk Jeopardy right after this first the mediocrity or the listener hmm. this is table talk radio hey daily devotions for your family around the word is found at what does this mean.org After the break, you were going to explain some jokes or something? Uh, Psalm 46, no joke here. Has the, Okay, so when reading the Psalms, the thing, and the reason why that's funny is because uh-huh. you're not supposed to pronounce the P. Although the Greek word for psalm does have a pss, pss, pss at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not so foolish. But by the way, I always have to tell in Bible class, I say, I'm going to pronounce these words wrong, but don't pronounce them wrong because you'll people think you're a moron <laughs> <laughs> so don't talk like me but what we're we talking about oh yeah psalm 46 uh what when we're reading the psalms we want to ask we can ask six questions the major two questions to ask are who's talking to whom and what is the picture and the picture of psalm 46 is we're in a city well walled castle city and it is surrounded by all sorts of violent enemies. The whole world, all these armies have gathered around to assault this particular city. And the mountains outside are, are shaking. And the ocean is even coming against the city. And yet, we're not afraid. We're, it's not moved because the Lord is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early, it says. So we're in the city, we're rejoicing there, and it comes to the God is our refuge, a very present help in time of trouble and so forth. It comes to this to the thing. And then the second verse or second stanza of the psalm is like there's someone standing on the city wall, and they're like, Whoa, not only is God in here, God has gone out there. And it calls us to the to it calls us up to the wall to look at what's happening outside on the battlefield. Come behold the the works of the Lord, and the Lord has gone out from the middle of the city, and he by himself is marching around destroying all these all these armies. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he sets the chariot on fire, and as the the Lord Jesus is is destroying all the enemies of the church, in the middle of this rampage, he turns back and sees us on the wall, and he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. <laughs> so that he says, you just stay there and watch this. Blam. And he goes and destroys all the enemies. Wow. Now, that's very different than kind of go sit in your corner and listen for the inner voice. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean. right. Well, then there's this line at the end. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Though these all be gone, our victory has been won. The kingdom ours remaineth. 
this hymn, this hymn was the hymn that my buddy uh, uh, Jay Hobson, Pastor Jay Hobson, picked for his wedding. And I said, Jay, are you sure you want to be singing about taking your wife uh, at your wedding? And he said, Yep. I, uh, All right. I mean, I think I would. There's a time to talk about that. I don't know if it's at your wedding, but okay, mm-hmm. sure. It isn't. It, the hymn is easier to sing when you're in college. <laughs> take they are life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Because you have nothing I, I, anyway. I don't, I don't have any goods, fame, child, or wife. That's easy. Sing away. <laughs> That's true. All Go right. Go ahead. Uh, I should probably find the page for my show prep here. Let's see. It was back here somewhere. Man, oh man, eight hundred right. to one hundred. This is amazing. I like this game. Hmm. Okay, all right. No worry. I got. I'll take. Uh, what is my category again? Uh, Saints of the Lutheran oh, yeah. Service. Saints book. of the Lutheran Service book for two hundred, <laughs> <That's>, please. <laughs> that's so obnoxious. Let's see. Oh yeah, here, here it is. Okay. Um, recognized on July thirty first. Wow. Uh, This person partnered with Nicodemus to care for the body of Jesus after the crucifixion. Who is St. Joseph of Arimathea? That is correct. Member of the Sanhedrin. Yeah. Who believed, but secretly for fear of the Jews. How about that? How about it? I I thought I was weaker on the summer saints, but apparently not. I don't know. Well, I thought I'd it, be better on the Saints' days when it got closer to the fall. Though. I mean, I, I know the question I'm throwing at you are so difficult that you couldn't surmise just from the questions themselves. So, yeah, I'm impressed uh, with your knowledge of the Summer Saints. Well, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, Joseph of Arimathea, it seems like there's these 70 Sanhedrin were mostly set against Jesus, but there was a couple of guys in there, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And then, and then it says in the book of Acts, that others amongst the Pharisees were also becoming believers. So even though when we read about the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, we think, boy, all unbelievers, but there were a few. Excuse me. There were a few who had faith in Christ, were trusting in him. And it was thought that um, that Joseph of Arimathea had a little bit of money, or is that Nicodemus? Both, probably. Uh, you, got, to, you don't end up on the Sanhedrin without having a bit of cash. Uh, there's that. And then also uh, that Jesus was placed in a brand new tomb in which no one has right. ever laid before. It, it, and it says that in Isaiah. He, was his, his, he made his grave with the, with the wealthy. So mm. there's a prophecy of Joseph of Arimathea's wealth. Mm-hmm. Mm, very good. All right. Uh, anything else yeah. on Joseph of Arimathea? That's, I think that's probably good. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting that uh, uh, that you have this uh, he and Nicodemus coming uh, to to take down. I mean, I've I've always been interested in that that uh, um, that Pilate permits Jesus's body to be uh, taken before the Sabbath. Um, I mean, why would Pilate care other than he just kind of want to be done with this whole thing? I think they took all the bodies down because the Jews. So there was. This is an interesting thing. I got into into some grief a few years back because I mentioned in Has American Christianity Failed? Remember that book uh, that Jesus was crucified naked, and I had a pastor get a hold of me and say, "Hey, the Jews, the the Romans had made a lot of concessions for the Jews on their stuff. So normally a person would be crucified naked, but in Israel they were allowed to be scantily clad, covered." In, um, hmm. So that it wasn't such an offense, hmm. and also 
they would normally, when you're crucified, you're hanging on the cross for days, maybe you know, a week or so. But they had provision that they would finish the dying process early in Judea in order to be able to bury them on, before the Sabbath day so the bodies wouldn't be hanging there on the Sabbath. So that was another provision that the Romans had made for the Jews. Now, so that that's be, why they broke their legs. Would that be of of all the crucified or just um, the Jews that were crucified? Do you know? I mean, were the Jews taking uh, care of burials of everybody? Well, hmm. yeah. You see what I mean? Okay. I think so, because remember, even like Judas, who hung himself, was buried by the Jews, but they went and bought a special field for it because he was... Right. But I'm thinking but if, think... if, if, a, if a Roman citizen um, committed a crime against Rome and was crucified, I don't know that the Jews would take care of that burial. No, I don't think so either, but remember, a Roman citizen couldn't be crucified. Hmm. It was illegal to crucify a Roman citizen hmm. or stone them or beat them. I don't know how. I mean, maybe they had to be beheaded. I don't know how you would be executed if you were a Roman citizen, but it wasn't by crucifixion. I, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. So so the only people who were crucif who were, could be crucified were slaves and non-citizens. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Huh. See, you learn something every day when you, uh, you do. play games at a Lutheran service book. You didn't think I knew anything that you didn't know anymore. <laughs> I know. I thought I heard it all. <laughs> right. All right. I will take numbers of the Reformation for 300, please. Okay. Luther based his not-as-famous hymn, From Depths of Woe, I Cry to Thee, on this psalm. Uh, what is 130? You are right. You're surprised I'm, I know any of this stuff. The De Profundus. What De Profundus? Out of the depths I cried unto thee, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. I think Luther wrote this hymn. You might know this or not. When Luther was writing hymns for the parts of the catechism, for the six chief parts, I think this was the confession absolution part. From depths of woe I cried to yeah, thee. Yeah, that's right. Do you know how I know Hear that? Hear me, I adore thee. Because it's right here in the section for confession absolution in the hymnal, so that proves it. <laughs> Bend down thy sacred ear to me, my prayer let come before me. If now, thou remembers each misdeed, if each should have its rightful mead, who can abide thy presence? What Something is, like that. What is this? Don't forget the stanza to your hymns. Um, it's not, I like it when I get to pick the hymns. That, <laughs> that's handy. After that embarrassing week last week. Now, there is there is something about uh, this hymn, and I, for, I there's a word for it. I've, I, I can't remember what it is, but um, when you take this, this psalm and you more or less keep it intact and just kind of set it to music, this is really what Luther is doing more or less with From Depths of Who I Cry to Thee. Whereas with uh, A Mighty Fortress, it's not just a plain reading of Psalm 46. It's kind of based on... Um, the the text, but uh, he 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 writes really the the lyrics himself. Uh, with with this one, he's he's taking really just the words of the psalm and putting it to music, and it's it's really really a great one. Um, I'll read the second stanza. Uh, Thy love and grace alone avail to blot out mine transgression. The best and holiest deeds must fail to break sin's dread oppression. Before thee, none can boasting stand, but all. Uh, but all must fear thy strict demand and live alone by mercy. That's beautiful. Tis. Tis, tis. All right, so another 300 points. we got about a minute here if we want to try to get another round of oh, yeah. saints. Give me one. Let's see. Uh, saints of the Lutheran Service book for 300, please. Okay. 
Uh, let's see, I had it here. Where? Oh, yeah. Uh, recognize on February 23rd, this pastor and martyr served in Smyrna. Pastor and martyr served in Smyrna? Smyrna, Smyrna. Uh, something of Smyrna. Let's see. <laughs> well, I thought, I thought you'd get this because uh, you've been doing the... Uh, Fox's Book of the Martyrs. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just, uh, you know, it's an old one. I imagine it's an old one. You can strategically uh, let the time expire, and that way you'd have it a little bit I'm more. Doing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. It's got to be one of these early church fathers, um, but he probably wasn't martyred in Smyrna. You know, Smyrna's full of cats nowadays. <laughs> that's a good stall. <laughs> There's tons of cats everywhere. This is irrelevant to me getting to the answer, but there's cats yeah. everywhere in Smyrna. In Smyrna. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll let you think about it. Take your oh, time. Oh, no. Oh, I was going to guess before the time ran out, but... Too late. I we'll guess do I'll it. do it on the other side of the board. This is the cliffhanger for the listener. Not really one of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The Sunday Drive Home, Grappling with the Text and the Theo Vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. Who is Polycarp? Oh, he got it. Did I? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, so I didn't realize Boy. that. Po- I didn't. I just didn't remember that Polycarp was from Smyrna. But Polycarp was connected to John. And Smyrna is not far. It's just up the street from Ephesus. So, anyway, boy, I it's kind I, of a lucky. I maybe guess. should have forced the answer before the break because I don't know that you would have got it. You really did, Polycarp. He did would, by the time that? he got to wherever he was being martyred, which I can't remember where it is, but this is, he was like eighty-two years old, and this old um, and the and the proconsul says he says to him, "Say atheist, be damned." Because the Romans thought that the Christians were atheists, you know. Mm. And Polycarp waves his arm around the stadium and says, Atheist be damned. (laughs) (laughs) Confess Christ. And he says, I am a Christian. The Lord has been good to me all these years. Should I not uh, keep him now at the end? That's that's great. Polycarp. He made it in the book, A Martyr's Faith, by the way. Good to know. Good old Polycarp. Good to know. All right, I'll take uh, Numbers of the Reformation for 400, please. This is the Daily Double. You currently have 1,100 points to wage. Like you have to tell me how many points I have. I'll wage them all. All right. All 1,100 on the line here. Now, this is a little bit different question because it's the Daily Double. It's actually not a number It's actually You might be able to get this, though. In his response to Erasmus's diatribe, Luther said that the Holy Spirit loved to make these. Oh, this is great. Holy Spirit loved to make these. Sugar cookies. Um, What'd you say? I missed it. Uh, nothing. Um, I'm trying to think. Holy Spirit loved to make... Okay, so the this, the disputation with Erasmus was over the bondage of the will. Erasmus was oh, arguing yeah. free will. Luther, the bondage of the will. 
Um, here's here's a little line in context. Luther says the Holy Spirit is no skeptic. <laughs> what a line! Okay, so the Holy Spirit loves to make believers. What? Okay, what is believers? Close. He might have actually said that. But the answer that I'm looking for is <laughs> assertions. Oh, dang. The Holy Spirit loves to make assertions. <sighs> this is so great as Erasmus is basically like a postmodern. Also, right. did I mention to you that I just republished The Bondage of the Will? You can buy it for twelve fifty on the are website. You, are, you, are you telling me that my Daily Double was a was a promotional plug? I don't know what you're talking I forgot un- about it until just now. So. Unbelievable. <laughs> And now you're down to zero. I'll t- that's a great book, by the way. Luther says, you could burn everything I wrote except for the small catechism and the against Erasmus. Although it's tough. It is a tough book because it's just difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, difficult to—it's it, it's a precise book, and he makes precise distinctions. And sometimes he sounds like he goes too far. So mm-hmm. Anyway, go. I'm going right. to take uh, Saints of the Lutheran Service book for 400 now that I have such a commanding lead. Of six hundred points. All right. Um, uh, Recognized on December twentieth, this runaway nun married a famous reformer. Who is Katarina von Bora, wife of Martin Luther? That's correct. Well done. Apparently, Luther didn't want to get married because everyone would say, "Oh, he just started the whole Reformation, so he could get married." Can you imagine that? And that's a Catholic Church still says that today, that all oh, Luther just started the whole thing because he had an out-of-control libido. <laughs> and to which we should just respond, are you guys sure you want to make the out-of-control libido argument? <laughs> are you sure that's the road you want to go down right now, fellas? <laughs> uh-huh. Let's just, let me, let me, I want you to rethink this, just for your own sake, maybe. Man, oh, man. Katerina von Bora, married on June the 10th in the year 1525, I think. Okay. Okay. I'm ready for more, though. We've got to keep moving. This is the last segment. Yep. Right? Yep. All right. So I will take uh, numbers of the Reformation for 500. You could receive this many years out of purgatory if you did the proper penance in front of all... One seventeen thousand four hundred and thirty-three relics in Saint in Frederick the Wise's relic collection. Wait, what was the first part of the question? You could receive this many years <laughs> out of purgatory. Uh, oh, I'm glad. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. I was going to say I'm glad this wasn't the Daily Double, but it's not like it would have made a difference. <laughs> Uh, I think I remember seeing um, this somewhere that it's 3,932 years. Wow. You were only off by, here's the number. I can't do the math that quick. You could receive (laughs) 1,902,202 years out of purgatory. I remember, um, you know, there's this uh, this debate uh, of the young earth, old earth thing, you know. And uh, uh, several years ago, the Pope had said something about evolution that was okay or something. And I always thought, of course the, the Pope's going to go for evolution and increases the number of years in which purgatory can be. <laughs> the, the, the er- it's a huge old- exchange rate, you, th- you know? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's just to it's think that you could do like 
five minutes worth of devotion in front of the milk from the Virgin Mary in the Castle Church in Wittenberg, and you get what, like 20,000 years out of purgatory? It's just like, no, it's like dollars to pesos or something. Yes. <laughs> It's a good investment of time, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. So you, um, what one uh, 17,000. These are good numbers to remember. 17,443 items in 1518. That's the year after, you know, the whole uh, business. 1,902,202 years worth of penance. Wowzers. <clears throat> All right. All right. Well, uh, you got one more round here. You're going to take okay. For I'm going to take. Uh, so you're at minus five hundred. I'm going to take uh, Saints of the Lutheran Service Book for five hundred, please. And that is your daily double. All right, all right. I'm going to wager one thousand four hundred and ninety-nine points. <laughs> all right. Uh, recognized on May second, this pastor and confessor. Uh, famously served in Alexandria. Alexandria, the city in uh, in 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 Africa. Yeah, probably. I was thought, so. This would probably be who is Saint Augustine of Hippo, <laughs> or as you say, Saint Augustine. I'm sorry. The correct answer looking for is Athanasius of Alexandria. Really, <laughs> Athanasius. Did you have two of them? <laughs> no. <laughs> so let's oh, see. That takes you down to one. It takes me down to negative 499. <laughs> Just above your negative 500. <laughs> well, as long as we're both still in the negatives, that's, that's all that <laughs> that's matters. <what> you're... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so gratifying for me. All right. We have a few seconds to listen uh, who to— Who was it again? Uh, uh, Athanasius uh, of Alexandria. Who? Athanasius wrote the Athanasian Creed, didn't he? Well, I think it's named after him. I don't know that he wrote it, did he? I think that's right. He was he named it after him because he was a great Trinitarian defender. Right. And so they said, boy, here's this great creed. We're going to name it after him. Because the, the whole you know first couple centuries of the church, so he had 300 years of persecution. And then you had about three, 400 years of, of fighting about the Trinity and the Incarnation. And then... Uh, and then it gets to the Middle Ages and things kind of go in different directions. But Athanasius is one of the great heroes of that early, um, of that early time where they're trying to articulate precisely and and carefully uh, the the two great mysteries of the Christian faith: the doctrine of the Trinity, which is the first great mystery, and the doctrine of the Incarnation, which is the second. So I wonder why it's May the second. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's oh. after the, the the days that they die, called mm. their natal, their mm. what their celestial nat- nativity or whatever, the heavenly birthday. Sometimes it's when they move their bones to a church named after them. Ah, okay, all right, all right. Let's uh, take a look at our. I guess we don't t- take a look, but take a listen to our voicemail system. Here it is. Oh, okay. Wow. Church sign on an LCMS church. Uh oh. <laughs> be humble, or be humbled. Oh. Now, why is it when the listener, the first thing he says is on an LCMS church, the first thing you say is, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, Instead of, well, oh, good, I, at least we'll have a good <laughs> <laughs> Well, just normally, my my expectations for the church sign, I'll have to admit to you, are never that high. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm just assuming it's going to be something stupid. 
Maybe that's not putting the best construction on things, but that is wisdom speaking through experience. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> and uh, and so then I hear that. Uh, so normally the church sign comes up, and it's going to be something to make fun of. And if it's a Missouri sin, that is, you know, it's, it's like making fair fun enough. of your brother, which is not that hard to do in my case. But <laughs> all right. Uh, so what do you think? Be about? humble or be humbled. Remember, Jesus tells this parable: whoever the falls on the rock will be crushed, but whoever falls on the rock will be no, whoever falls on the rock will be crushed. Whoever the rock falls upon will be obliterated. So we want to fall on the rock of Christ in repentance rather than having the rock crush us. Into so this is actually a pretty good one then, huh? It's very biblical. All right. All right, keep up those biblical church signs. I think we'll go with those. <laughs> All right, that's going to be all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the rubrics that Tetzel wrote for selling indulgences. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Light edition of Table now. Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is Use not for everyone. Voice. Please consult no. your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, money. vomiting, headache, no. heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the cabalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.